perfecter of her faith. We thank you, Father, that we can gather in that name that we just sang about, that name that's above every name. We thank you, Father, that through that name we have victory in every situation, in every circumstance in life. Thank you, Father, we can put our trust completely in you and you'll never, never forsake us. And we're so grateful for that. And then we just ask you now to bless this time as we share together. Father, may you receive all the praise, the honor, and the glory because it belongs to you. Not only are you worthy of it, but it belongs to you. And so we give it to you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Um, just a reminder. Next week uh, is spring break at school, and so uh, uh, we won't be having church next Wednesday night uh, since they're going to be out of school, and chances are people will be traveling and out of town and just all different kinds of excuses. So, so anyway, we, we won't be having church next Wednesday, and so <clears throat> it'll be announced on Sunday, but you might want to make that known to people that aren't here tonight, which is just about everybody. So, praise the Lord. Well, we're going to continue our series tonight. We've been looking at the believer's authority and what an important truth that is for us to get a hold of it. And uh, tonight we're, we want to, we've been talking about it a little bit as we've been going along, but uh, tonight we want to talk about um, how we need to cooperate with God, cooperate with the will of God. Um, you know, it, it would be wonderful if, if God could just do whatever God wanted to do, but he, he can't in spite of uh, what many want to teach concerning predestination and, and so on and so forth, that everything that takes place is the will of God. That's not the case. It's because he... Uh, has created us in such a way that we, we have a free will of our own. And so we can choose whether or not we're going to follow, follow him or not. And so we need to recognize that we need to cooperate with him. Um, our first scripture passage is in John, the 8th chapter, and the uh, 32nd verse, where it says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, let's just back up to th verse 31. Jesus said to, th to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so we know that the word is truth. And so he says that if we abide in his word, we shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And so we need to know what the truth So truth is in and of itself won't set us free. But the truth that we know will set us free. Uh, it isn't enough to know about truth, but we need to know the truth. And if we know the truth, that truth will work in us, and it'll, it'll bring freedom in our life. But notice in verse 31, it says that if we abide in his word. You know, so how are we going to know the truth? We're going to know the truth as we continue, as we live in the word of God. Because when we do that, that it becomes truth in our lives. You know, a lot of people can share what they believe to be truth. I mean, if you watch the news, there's a lot of people on there. They, believe, they share what they believe to be the truth. But the problem is, it isn't truth according to the Word of God, and so therefore it isn't truth. You can, you can see that concerning um, interpretation of Scripture or doctrinal positions that individuals have taken. And they claim that it's truth, it's truth for them, but it's not truth 
because it isn't according to the word of God. And the reason for that is because they haven't abided. They haven't remained in the word. Because the interesting thing about the word is, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, I, I, I have in my own life, that when I abide in the word of God, when we, I recognize the word as truth and I abide in or I live in that truth, what happens is it changes me. It changes what I, what I believe about things. You know, uh, <clears throat> one of uh, my uh, humorous statements I make that uh, many people don't consider to be that humorous, but you know, uh, when I became a Christian, uh, there, were, there were two things that changed in my life. Uh, number one, you know, I left the denomination that I grew up in uh, because of what I believed to be truth. You know, because when I began to abide in the Word of God, some of the things that I would had been taught, I didn't consider it to be truth any longer, and so that's why I left. And then <clears throat> I left the Democratic Party. Probably shouldn't say that in church, but I did because of truth once again, because of the positions that were a part of that, I could no longer stand in. So, so truth, if you abide in the word, if you abide in truth, that, that truth will set you free. And the way that it sets you free is it changes your position on so many things. And so, um, you know, you take an individual and you know, I, I mean, I've run into this with individuals where they're, where they're so determined that um, they're going to get sick. You know, I mean, the confession of their mouth is that they're going to they're going to get cancer. They believe that God's going to give them cancer. Well, you know, chances are they're probably eventually going to get cancer, but it isn't God who gave it to them. You know, there is an adversary out there. He's a deceiver. The Bible refers to him as an angel of light. And so that's why for you and I, it's so important for us to have an understanding. I can't emphasize this enough. That we have an understanding of the word of God because if we don't, we're susceptible to receive any false doctrine that comes down the pike. Because we have no ammunition, we have nothing to combat it. And so that's why the Word of God, truth, is so important in our life so that when the lie comes against us, we're able to recognize it. And so when, when somebody comes along and they, they tell you or they speak over you that it's God's will for you to have some infirmity, some sickness in your body, when you know the truth, you immediately reject that. You say, no, that's not, that's not the truth. That's, that's a lie. Why do you say that? Because of what you know, what the Word says. Because the Word isn't going to lie to you. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, it says, and it speaks about people buying into the lie, and it says, and, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. <clears throat> you know, that's why the Bible itself tells us that when we have the Bible, it, it's a more sure thing than prophecy. You know, so whether somebody prophesies over you or whether an angel appears to you, now I believe in angels. But if I believe in godly angels, then I'm obligated to believe that the demonic side is there. They're not called angels, they're called demons. But it says that Satan himself can disguise or he can transform himself into an angel of light. And so people say, oh, you know, if I only I had a, a word from God, if only I had a vision, if only I had the voice of an angel speak to me. Well, let me tell you something. I, I, by the way, I never have. 
I've had people prophesy over men. A good portion of them I've set on the shelf. <laughs> Never to take them off the shelf again. Because it doesn't matter. It's still got to line up with what the Word of God says. You know, it's like Brother Hagin said one time. He says, you know, if somebody prophesies over you that you're supposed to go to Africa, and you go to Africa as a missionary because that individual prophesied over you, you better take that individual, that prophet, with you to Africa because you're not going to know when to come back. You know, when somebody prophesies over you, it ought to be a confirmation. You know, <clears throat> uh, my grandson Isaac was uh, just down in Tulsa uh, for Winter Bible. And he, he's um, the youth minister over there in, in Harlan. And so he went to the uh, meetings that they had down there for, for youth leaders. And, and there were things that were spoken and uh, even things that were spoken over him. And, and that night, uh, <clears throat> you know, I don't know, it was about 10 o'clock. And he knows me pretty well. And he, he called me from Tulsa. He says, Grandpa, you still awake? And I says, yeah. He says, well, <clears throat> is it okay if I, well, no, I, actually he texted me. And he asked if it would be okay if he uh, called me a little bit later on because he wanted to share some things with me and, and he wasn't going to be back to the hotel for a while and he wondered if I'd be up. And you know, I said, I'll be up. You know, when your grandson wants to talk to you, you'll be up. You know, it doesn't matter what time it is. And so he called me and he was just excited about, you know, the words that were spoken over him. But he wasn't excited just simply because those words were spoken it was because it was a confirmation to direction and things that he already felt in his heart. And so he was excited about it. And so I like prophecy. I'm, I do not despise prophecy. But if somebody prophesies over me and it's totally different from the direction that God has been leading me, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm saying I'm going to put it on the shelf until the Holy Spirit leads me in that direction. You know, because I think some people prophesy just for the sake of prophesying. I mean, it's been prophesied over me that I have the apostolic call, that I have the prophetic call, and that I have all this stuff. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for almost 39 years and, and uh, <clears throat> ain't going anywhere with it. And so not that those words were wrong because there might be an element of that in that. But we need to recognize it's the truth. As we abide in the word, we shall know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Because I know individuals that have received a word into their life, and that word has bound them up. It's bound them up because it, it gave them a, a particular direction or gave them a particular stopping point, and they've stayed there. You know, even, even prophecy, this isn't our teaching tonight, but even prophecy is, there, there's two kinds of prophecy. There's, there's conditional and unconditional. We look at the prophecies concerning Jesus. Those prophecies were unconditional. That means they were going to take place. But you know, you can go throughout even the Old Testament, you'll see, you'll see conditional prophecies. You'll see prophecies that say, if you do such and such, this will happen. That's conditional. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. But we also see that, that prophecies were for, us, for a specific, particular period of time. And so just because God spoke something over you 55 years ago, I say that because most of you aren't that, most of us aren't that old. <clears throat> you know, but just because that was spoken over you 55 years ago doesn't mean that it's still in operation today or you're still bound to that today. You know, God's word isn't given to us to bind us up. It's to set us free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It isn't you shall know the truth and the truth will bind you up. You'll know the truth and the truth will hold you back. You know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But recognize that 
<clears throat> the enemy, he wants to lead us astray. And you know, sometimes he'll use individuals in our life, and a lot of times they can be the closest people to us, to speak something to us, to hinder us. That's why we always go back to the Word of God. If I have a word for you, praise the Lord. But you know what? It better not contradict the Word of God, because if it contradicts the Word of God, then you need to reject it. And there's another part of it. It better witness to your heart. Because if it doesn't witness to you, where am I? God isn't going to make you do something you don't want to do. You know, <laughs> you know, I remember people, they don't, well, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just fearful of completely submitting to God. Well, why is that? Well, he might ask me to do something I don't want to do. He might ask me to go to Africa, and I don't want to go to Africa. Well, you know what? If he wants you to go to Africa, he's going to work it in your heart before he places, especially somebody under his leading to speak over you. And so it, it always comes back to the word of God, trusting in the word. You know, it's crazy, but I, I feel more um, I don't want to say persuaded I feel more challenged to challenge people to get into the Word of God than I probably ever have. And I've always been a Word of Faith person. I mean, ever since I heard the message when I was in Bible school, I've always. But in this day that we're in, there's people that are walking away from it. And I think it's more needful today than it's ever been that we walk in faith concerning the Word of God. Faith is not obsolete. Faith will never pass away. Everything that we have, we add to. And so we need to, we need to stand firm. In James 1, 7, it says, For not, not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's talking about somebody who isn't going to be willing to cooperate with the things that God has directed in his life. You know, if we're unwilling to accept the word of God, let that man not think that he's going to receive anything from the Lord because he's the one that's going to guide us. He's going to direct us. I look at back in my own life and I can see areas where I've, I've done things wrong. But you know, the, the, the key to it is, is we don't stay there. We change. You know, there, there may be things that we've uh, spoken concerning our own lives or maybe somebody else's life. But you know what? We don't have to sit there under condemnation. Once we've received the truth, we move on from there. We, 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 don't, we don't stay there. We don't allow that to hold us down. Because, you know, one of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things the enemy wants to do is when we have made mistakes in our life, he always wants to take us back there. He wants us to focus upon that. He wants us to park there. Because if we will do that, we won't move forward. But what we've got to realize is once we've seen the truth, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so then at that point, we can begin to move forward. We can begin to cooperate with that truth and see God's will completely fulfilled and manifest in our lives. Let's look at, let's look at um, the book of Mark and the sixth chapter. And uh, what I want us to see here is that God will never violate our free will. You know, people say about Preachers, you know, well, you're just trying to take that Bible and shove it down my throat. It's like I told the guys Monday night. If I could, I would. I wish I could. I wish I could take the Bible and I could shove it down people's throat. I'd do it. I mean, I'd even have Terry help me and hold him down. And I, he would. 
And we'd, we'd shove it down their throat. But you know what? It doesn't work that way. Wish it did. But it doesn't work that way. We've got to be willing to receive it. And so, let's look at Mark, the sixth chapter. And let's just go ahead and start in the first verse. And it says, when he went out from there, he came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and his brothers James and Joas and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. So they were, just think about this. Jesus, the Word, came to bring truth to them. But they were offended by him. Why? Because they remembered him as that carpenter's son. They remembered him as the son of Mary. They, they looked around and they saw his brothers and sisters and everybody else that he grew up with still around. And so when he began to, to preach, they, they couldn't accept it. You know, I, I think a lot of times we, we see those same things in, in our own lives. Oftentimes, the individuals that we want to reach the most are the ones we can't get to because they won't, they won't hear us out. They, they receive our, remember our past or whatever. But, but notice, Jesus, he went to the synagogue. Now, this wasn't something different that he was doing. He was doing what he had done in every city that he went to. He would draw a mass of crowds around him. He'd go to the synagogue. He'd preach wherever he could. And people would receive that word and there were miracles that were performed and so forth. And here, because of who he was, but it was still the word that was share, he was sharing, they refused to accept it. Not even Jesus could make them receive it. They had a choice, and they chose not to. It says in verse 5, it says, Now he could not, he could not do no mighty works with these. Not that he didn't want to. He couldn't. He wanted to, but he wasn't able to because they wouldn't receive him. Let's, let's start in verse 4. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives in his own house. Now he could not do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. You know, and so... You know, one of the translations there, or one of the interpretations, is that it's a few sick folk, a few minor ailments. You know, Jesus in his ministry, he went about and he performed tremendous miracles. But here amongst these, because, and it goes on to say, and he marveled because of their unbelief, because they wouldn't believe because they chose not to believe. Now you've heard me share this before, but it bears repeating. You know, there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Here he specifies because of their unbelief. We doubt something because we have a lack of information. You know, we, 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 we're aware of something, you know, but you, you take somebody out in the world, uh, you walk up to them, you say, Jesus loves you, he wants you saved, and they say, well, I doubt that. You don't know how bad I've been. You don't know what I've done. I doubt that. Jesus would, would love me. Nobody loves me. 
based on a lack of information. So you sit down with them and you share with them and you go through the scriptures and you share with them that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you go through the scriptures and you show God's tremendous love and the suffering that Jesus went through so that that individual might be saved. And after you've shared all that with them, you say, all right, now I've shared this truth with you. Are you ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And they say, no, because I don't believe that. That's unbelief. They've got the information, but they've chosen not to believe. We see this in, in, in many different areas. You know, there, there's individuals that I know, Christians that I know, that have studied the Word, they've gone through the Word, and they get to the book of Acts where it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the manifestation of tongues. And even though they've read it and they've studied it, you know what their response will be? Well, we don't believe that. What that is, it isn't based on doubt because they have the information. It's based on choosing not to believe. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if you realize this, but every time you found a truth in the Word of God, you've had to cooperate with Him. You've had to cooperate with Him concerning that Word. You had to accept it because you, you had the choice. You could have rejected it. When you hear the scriptures concerning healing, you have to make a choice as to whether or not you're going to believe it or not. Unbelief says, well, <clears throat> I know that that's what it says, but I don't believe that that's what it means. You know, I remember years and years, well, this is when I was first here. There was this couple that I married and, uh, and it was actually before I had come here. They had, I was going to come, uh, but this couple wanted to be married, but it was before I was going to get here. And so they asked if I'd come down early, you know, for a weekend and uh, marry this couple, you know, because I knew the parents of the, the young lady. And, and so I came down and the wedding was going to be on a Saturday, I believe it was. And so we came down on Thursday and I met with the couple because I didn't know him at all and was just meeting with him. And in, in that period of time that we, we met, I had the opportunity to, uh, to lead him to the Lord. And so they were able to start their marriage out on the right foot. They were both saved. And, and there, there was, anyway, they got married and but they lived out of town, lived in Ankeny, actually. And so I knew that he didn't have the foundation. They were coming on Sunday, but it was too much for them to, you know, come up again. And so I, I gave him this offer. I said, I'll, I'll come down, I forget what day, Tuesday or something like that. I'll drive down to Ankeny and, and we'll do a Bible study together because I wanted to take him through the foundations because he was totally unchurched. And I said, if you want to invite some friends or whatever, that, that's okay. And so I'd go down there every Tuesday and we'd go through this Bible study. And what I used for the Bible study was Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, where it talks about the elementary principles of Christ, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, instructions on baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection and dead, and eternal judgment. Well, I'd taught on uh, repentance and taught on faith, and, and they had invited this couple to come. And uh, he was a student at the Baptist College there in, in Ankeny. And um, so the one night um, that he was there, I was teaching on the baptisms, plural. And, uh, <clears throat> and I, I think I was emphasizing that particular night, I might have been talking about the gifts and stuff, but I, if I remember right, I was talking about healing. 
And I used one particular scripture passage. And I said, you know, according to this scripture, in the context of it, in the word that is being used in the Greek, he has to be talking about physical healing. And I said, a lot of religious folk, what they say is what Jesus was talking about here, what was actually being talked about, was spiritual healing. But he said, if you look at the context of it and you look at the words that are being used, it's impossible for you to translate that as being spiritual healing. Jesus is making reference to, or the scripture is making reference to physical healing. And so I made that statement and I noticed something about the young man that was there. He reached into his briefcase and he pulled out his Greek New Testament. And he started reading that portion of scripture. Now, <clears throat> I know how to use the helps. I can pronounce a few Greek words. But reading Greek, that's Hebrew to me. You know, and, and so I, I'm sitting there as he's doing that. I'm thinking, oh my, I sure hope I'm right on that, you know. But anyway, so the thing ended. And anyway, I talked to the couple next week. And, and uh, they said, you know, he, he said after you left, he said, you know that scripture he used? He says, I've always been taught that that was spiritual healing. But he says, you know, in the context and the words that were used in that portion of scripture, there is no way to refer to it as spiritual healing. Is physical healing. And of course, he confronted his professors on it and, and uh, I think he was asked to retire from that class because he could no longer accept the lie. Why? Because he heard the truth. And the truth will set you free. But you know, like I said, it's an interesting thing about truth. You've got to receive it. If you won't receive it, it won't do you any good. These, these individuals in Jesus' hometown, he was preaching truth to them, but they refused to receive it. And so as a result, he was able to lay his hands on a few minor ailments and heal them, but he wasn't able to do any of the mighty miracles and so forth that he wanted to do. You know, and that's why we need to always have the receptors on. We need to know what the Word of God is, the truth of it. And so, Roman numeral three, that's about where we're at, I think. Just as Jesus could do no mighty works in his own hometown, unbelief prevents God from doing what he wants to do in our lives. Matthew 13, 58. Now he did not do many mighty works there. Why? Because of unbelief. And again, remember what unbelief is. Unbelief, oftentimes, <clears throat> we, we give people the excuse of ignorance. Ignorance isn't an insult. Ignorance just means you don't, you don't have the information. You don't, you don't know what you need to know about whatever the subject is. That's, that's ignorance. And so, you know, there's areas where I'm ignorant. And I'm determined to remain ignorant still. Because I don't want to know. You know, I, I'm ignorant where cooking is concerned. Totally. I don't want to know. Don't shut me down. Just because I'm preaching. I don't want to know. You know, because if I knew, then there might be expectations. But we have no expectations of that in our house. My wife wouldn't let me near the stove. The only thing I know is when I come home and the lights are off and there's a flame on the stove, she didn't get it turned way off. And so I... I'm able to take care of that because I'm not ignorant concerning burning gas unneedfully. But see, there's areas where 
We're, we, we, we see a whole segment of people, Christians who have chosen to be ignorant because they refuse to receive what the Word of God says. And uh, I don't know about you. I don't, I don't want to know less about God's Word. I want to know more. I want to know whatever he, he makes available. I want to be aware of it. But it's a choice. I've got to cooperate with it. I've got to <clears throat> lean into it. You know, because when we're pursuing something, there's a leaning in that goes along with it. And the thing about it is, is all those principles are true. You know, in, in Galatians and in the sixth chapter, it is, it is making reference to sowing money and so forth, but it's, it, it applies to every single area of our life. In, in Galatians 6, 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows of the Spirit will reap everlasting life. And so what are, what are we sowing to? Are we, are we just simply sowing to the flesh? Are we just simply agreeing with what we feel or see in the flesh? Or do we agree with what we see in the realm of the Spirit? Because don't be deceived. What we, what we sow to, that's what we're going to reap. You know, and so what are we going to give way to? Is it going to be the things of God? Or is it going to be the things of the world? Because it's a law. And I, I've shared this last few Sundays, you know, <clears throat> that we've been able to have church, that uh, laws are laws because they work. And they work for everyone all the time when those laws are applied. You know, I see the Boeing 737 is grounded. Trump grounded him today. And the reason he did that was because they don't practice the laws right. And one of those planes crashed, I forget the, the nation that it crashed in, something like 180 souls were lost as a result of that. Why? Because it was, something wasn't functioning the way that it was supposed to. And so as a result of that, the law that was being overridden, the law of gravity, which was being overridden by the law of thrust and lift, there was a flaw in it someplace and it didn't work and the plane went down because the other law took precedence. Well, that's how it is with the truths and the principles of God's word. He's given us principles, the law of sowing reaping, that when we apply it properly, <laughs> we get left. The things that want to come into our life and bring death and destruction, they don't have the opportunity to because we've, we've applied that principle in our life. But you know what? There's another principle. James 2.17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In other words, it's saying that to simply talk about faith isn't really faith. We're not to just simply talk about the Word of God. We're to be doers of the Word of God. And so when we combine these two principles, what it allows us to do, it allows us to cooperate with God. When we recognize whatever we sow, that's what we're going to reap. And we become doers of the Word, not just simply hearers of the Word. We cooperate with the principles that God has given us in His Word. And we experience the victorious life <clears throat> that belongs to us. Roman numeral four, it says, you can't just pray for something and then act in a way that's contrary to it. <clears throat> Faith demands action. And the actions that we practice line up with that which we declare to be true. 
Going back to what we talked about at the very beginning, God gave us free choice. And as much as we'd like him to, <laughs> well, maybe I ought to rephrase that. As much as I would like him to, he won't override it. We have the choice. We make the choice. We make the decision. Your personal will is very powerful and it's important. It is powerful. It is important. You know, we, we talk about strong-willed children. Thank God for strong-willed children. You know, don't, don't try to break their will. Well, you know, you got to break that will. That's it. I've, I've heard preachers who preach that. No offense, but that's stupid. Why would you want to break the will of a child? What we do is we direct their will. Listen to me. We cannot function successfully in this world without willpower, without deciding, uh, making a decision to do something. And so our personal will is very important. What God wants to do is he wants to mold our will so that it lines up with his will. And so his will and my will become one and the same. But it isn't by removing my will, because if you remove my will, then I'm nothing more than a, I'm a puppet. And I'm susceptible then to anything that comes down the pike. You know, if I'm out of the presence of God, if my will is broken, and if I'm not, you know, whatever comes along, I'm susceptible to it. God doesn't want to break our will. He wants to direct our will. As a parent, we don't want to break the will of our child. We want to direct the will of our child because it's that willpower that's going to keep them on the straight and the narrow. It's when they don't have any willpower and they, can, they, they submit to peer pressure or whatever it is that we want to label it as. That's, that's the danger. And so your personal will is very powerful and it's important. One of God's laws is that you can't have your will in one direction and then expect to get the results that would go in another direction. You see, that's why we direct our will along the lines of God's thinking. Because we can't say, I have willpower to do this and then go do something else because we're just we're deceiving ourselves. We'll ultimately go the direction of our will, the, the strongest pull. And that strong pull needs to be the Word of God. That's why it goes back to our original text again. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free, will set you free. But we've got we've to know that truth. And then we begin to sow to that truth. And we begin to, by faith, act upon that truth. And that truth works freedom then in our life. You can't just yield to and serve the devil. Giving him total access to you and reap the benefits of a godly life. Now, I'm a grace preacher. I'm about to say he's a grace preacher. But you know what? <clears throat> grace does not mean that I can do whatever I want. Well, pastor, you're under grace. No, that's, that's, that's not grace. That's lawlessness. Grace doesn't give me the right to do whatever I want. Grace empowers me to do what's right. Now, when I, when I fail, grace is there to set me back on the right path. And there's no condemnation that, that goes along with it. But anybody that, that, that declares that I'm under grace and so I can, I can do whatever, well, I, you can. 
All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. I guess I can say I'm under grace, and so I can just drive as fast as I want, take the curse however I want to take the curse. There's going to be consequences. Well, I thought I was under grace. Wasn't very profitable, was it? No. No, grace. Grace is, a, I, I love grace. Grace is God's part. Grace is all the giftings, the attributes of God that have been made available to me that I, that I receive by faith. But grace empowers me to be the Son of God that He desires for me to be. And when I begin to cooperate with Him, when I begin to yield to Him, when I stop at making excuses to Him, and I take responsibility for my action, that's when things begin to fall into play. And so I can't just simply yield to whatever and think that I'm going to see and experience all the, the blessings of God. You know, I was watching, it was either Creflo or Matthew Hagee the other day. I don't remember which one, but he used this scripture out of Deuteronomy 28, and I thought it was my deal. But they used it. You know, where the scripture where it says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And, he, and he, they used my line. He said, you know, obviously God knows that we're a little dense because he told us what to choose. Choose life. I mean, it ought to be obvious. But notice, even though it should be obvious, it has still had to choose. I mean, God revealed what his will was. His will was for them to choose life. His will was for them to choose blessing. But yet, he couldn't choose for them. He told them how to choose. But ultimately, they had to choose for themselves. So it is for us. You know, in your notes it says, God doesn't move in our lives because we deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. But you know what? He does it by permission as we operate by faith. As we cooperate with him, we allow him to manifest his will in our lives. And that's what we want. You know, we may think that we want to be a robot, but we really don't. We are a free will agent. And what's exciting about it is that through Christ Jesus, we have been, fret, we have been set free so that we can choose to follow after God. That's the choice that we've been given. We've been given the ability to make that choice. The sinner sins because that's what sinners do. In a sense, they don't have a choice. They may try, but they're, only, they're, they're simply trying in their own strength and their own ability. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we truly were placed in a position where we can choose. We can now choose life. We'll talk about a little bit on Sunday about how the law was given. We, we talk about it quite often, but I'm going to be making reference to the fact that the law was given uh, to direct. It, it, there was no choice in it. You were to obey the law, but they couldn't. They couldn't because of sin that dominated their lives. It showed them that they needed a Savior. That's what the law did in my life. That's what the law did in your life. 
It revealed to you that you couldn't make it on your own, that you needed a Savior. And so we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and now we now have the promise of heaven. But in addition to that, we were given the freedom of choice that was restored to us. That which Adam and Eve had. They chose to sin. They could have chosen to reject the lie of the devil, but they didn't. Now we have that same opportunity. We can choose to reject the lie of the devil. And what's that lie? That lie is that we can make it without Jesus. That lie is that this world has something to offer us that is not of the word. It's a lie. And he appears as the angel of light. It appears so good. That's why so many people are being deceived in the day that we're in. When we see over and over again that which is evil being declared good and righteous and that which is good and righteous is being declared as evil in bondage. It's just the opposite. But see, it's that angel of light that's making that which is evil appear to be good. But see, we know the truth. That's why we walk in freedom. That's why we walk in wholeness. Because we know the truth. And it's that truth that set us free. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you tonight for Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We thank you that your word is truth. We choose your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. Have a great rest of the week and stay warm. <laughs>